Hi, my name is Allison. And my name is Megan. And welcome to our first episode of Everything Connects. We're going to tell you a story. A story of love and life and people. But we're going to tell it to you the way you hear real stories. Discombobulated, out of order, and at our own pace. Imagine we're friends. Imagine we're sitting with our cups of coffee on your sofa. I'm telling you my story. You're listening like my friend. I'm going to go on tangents. I'm going to tell you lots of names. I'm going to misremember what order things happened in and leave you to sort through the pieces. This may not be our real story, but we want to tell it to you as if it is. Isn't that the best way to tell it? To make it real? Our name isn't a lie. Everything connects. Though it may not always be obvious at first, this is one story. A story we want to share with you. We hope you enjoy it. So let's begin. Episode 1. This is the end. The sky understood the state of my relationship with Harper before I did. It lined its perimeter with a soft pink as its normal blue mixed with the gray of the storm clouds overhead. We stood in the middle of the sidewalk that lined the west side of the 13th Street's commercial district. The throng of bustling shoppers around us were trickling away as men and women carried armfuls of bags toward shelter. My brain must have been confused as to why I wasn't following suit. Rain is coming, it reminded me. I absentmindedly swatted away the thought like a bug. It was not a time for logic. My hand fell back to my side, not registering the fact that it had not actually hit anything tangible away. The entirety of my being was far too focused on Harper's face to notice. Her dark eyes were brighter than normal. I could clearly distinguish between her iris and the pupil, even with the arm's length of air between us. Yet her eyes were also blurred, creating a strange combination of clarity and ambiguity. I had only ever seen that look in her eye once before on the day the city tore down her favorite tree. The tree had borne her parents' carved initials for 27 years. It had stood on the east side of 13th Street, the side we no longer walked on. Focus, my brain reminded me. She's crying. But she wasn't crying. I knew what crying looked like. Crying was reddish eyes and sniffles and streams of tears down her cheeks. Crying was heavy breathing and her bottom lip held back by her teeth. This was not crying. Harper's crystal clear, blurry eyes were holding their water tight. There were no streams. Her breaths were small and calculated. Her lips were pressed together, and no traces of red lurked in her eyes. This was worse than crying. Crying has a protocol. Crying requires sympathy, softness, strength. Crying pleased for hugs, and they're theirs. There was no protocol for the look on her face at this moment. I was not even certain there was a word. When the tree had been torn down, I had held her. I had wrapped my arms around her and watched as the tree fell down and down until it finally slammed against the ground. Five minutes later, she tapped my arm. I let go of her and we went home. No tears were shed. At home, things were unchanged. This day was different. This day, 
there would be no holding. As the clouds thickened overhead, I began to wonder if there would ever be walking home. I can't do this anymore, she whispered. What is this, I wondered. She flung her arms out in a gesture too general for my liking. I can't do this anymore. This time she yelled it. I wondered if we were getting closer to crying. What do you mean, I asked. She opened her mouth. Her teeth reached out and pulled her bottom lip into captivity. There was something she wanted to say. Why won't she say it? Her eyelids gently lowered, only closing halfway. Her breathing slowed. Inhale deeply. Exhale deeply. Pause. Repeat. No calculations. Her teeth released her lip. Is this crying? I wanted to break the silence. I wanted to have words at the ready, words to fix what she was feeling. Her eyes still looked as if they were watching the tree fall, except they were fixed on me. She didn't glance once at the empty space across the street. Quietly, she explained why she could not continue doing this. Her words trembled out of her mouth, gaining speed with every syllable. They sounded thought out. My brain hurt. There were too many contradictions. Or maybe that wasn't the problem. It dawned on me that this was me. It was us. She could not keep doing us anymore. She could not keep being us anymore. It had been two years, she said. Nothing had changed, she said. She paused. It felt like the first time she had actually stopped to think about what she was saying. I wondered if this was her waking up, if this was her leaving the rambling path of nonsense she had taken for some unknown reason, if this was her coming back to me, realizing she could continue. I suppose that's not true. She whispered. I've changed. A storekeeper nosingly moved an outdoor display behind me. He mumbled an apology when he bumped into me. I didn't acknowledge him. I didn't think I really heard him until three hours later when I was replaying the scene in my head. I knew she was waiting for me to respond. I knew that's why she wasn't still talking, but I didn't know what to say. What do you say to your girlfriend of two years when you're realizing for the first time that when you met her on this sidewalk, her hair was long and red, but now it is as short as yours and the bluer than the sea, when you can't remember her leaving one day with red hair and returning with blue hair, when you don't know what color it is underneath or whether she wishes it was still long. She sighed. I still didn't speak. She said, I'm done. But you are not we. She turned to go. It suddenly felt as if the coming storm was trapped inside her. Thunder clapped, but my brain registered it as her heart beating, quicker than before, frustrated. Some logical voice told me I had missed the lightning. I didn't know how anything in the past few moments could have gotten brighter, even for a moment. It had all been so dark, and Harper's face had not allowed any lightning. Her solemn eyes had been an anchor to my reality. This was real. I felt my arm reaching out, wanting to grab her, but too afraid. Wait! My voice finally managed to make an appearance. Its volume surprised me. I think it surprised her, too. I felt small as she turned around. Her face reminded me slightly that she was done, that I had better had a darn good reason for stopping her. There was no more waiting left to do. I opened my mouth, paused. 
My voice sheepishly weighted the consequences of returning, wondering if it should just let her leave. Why did I stop her? I couldn't remember telling my voice to do that. I couldn't remember having words to say. Her foot began tapping impatiently against the sidewalk, arms folded over her torso. I wasn't sure if she was daring me to speak or begging me not to, wishing I would give her a reason to stay or wishing I would just let her go. Why hadn't I let her go? Then, as if some invisible being in front of me had slapped me in the face, I fell out of my stupor and it dawned on me. I'm in love with you, I said, or at least I think I did. I wasn't completely sure that the words had left my brain, that my voice had decided to make it worth risking the return. Her face softened for a moment. Her tapping foot fell back against the ground and didn't lift again. Her fingertips pressed into her arms. It was a blessed moment of silence, the eye of the storm, or as I would later realize, the calm before it. We stood there. I waited. She stared. I was too afraid to wonder what she was thinking. And then she smiled. She smiled the kind of happy grin that brides are supposed to wear on their wedding days. But her eyes were full of deeper grief than I had ever seen before. It occurred to me that I should have seen this smile, or really, its truer version before now. I should have seen it months ago, paired with white dress and the promise of forever. I know. She whispered. I know. And then she turned to go, and then the clouds let loose, and this time, I saw the lightning flash above her retreating form. I stood there in the pouring rain, and she disappeared from sight. Owen sipped his coffee, clearing the fog from his mind. The world outside came back into focus. The drizzling rain, the bustling shoppers, the tree stump across the street. Instinctively, his eyes scanned the crowds for a glimpse of her hair. He wondered if it was still blue. This had become a habit of his, this lingering. First, he passed time at the bookstore, then the pizzeria, and now the coffee shop. Time and time again, he found himself back here back on this street. He didn't bother resisting. Owen let himself be drawn back to this place day after day. He let the memories play on a constant loop until her face was etched into his mind. And the irony was this. He saw her more clearly in his mind than when she had stood before him. So he watched the rain drip on. <laughs>